All right. Well, we're continuing a series called Asking for a Friend, just kind of going through some really challenging questions and just kind of looking at the Word of God and then answering some of these questions that a lot of us probably deal with on a regular basis. But in the beginning, in the beginning, God, in the beginning, God created the heavens and the earth. The question we're gonna be going through today is, does God exist? And we know how that can go in many different directions. Does God exist? Why would he allow this? Why would he allow that? You know, just think through that we're probably, I would say, the only creation that asks that question. We're the only creation that goes, what's this life all about? What's the purpose of my life? We're the only creation that really is asking that type of a question, and I tend to wonder why. I love how Paul writes in Romans chapter one, verse 20, he says this, for since the creation of the world, God's invisible qualities, his eternal power, his divine nature have clearly been seen, being understood from what has been made so that people are without Excuse. Even when you look over the essence of time and civilization of man, there's always been some element of us knowing deep within us that there's just something greater than us. I've had the opportunity to go to the pyramids in Egypt, and I'm standing there just thinking of the vastness of what man is willing to build, trying to connect with something eternal. There's just something within our nature of seeking who this is. God is that's so big, or does he exist? And I love what Paul's doing here is he's using the idea of creation by saying we're without excuse. Just look at the creation of the world. How could you say, how could you think that there's not a God? Well, Pastor Aaron, I'm, a, I'm not a creationist, I'm an evolutionist. Okay, well, let's, let's, take, let's stop there for a moment, and before we even go there, before there is anything to evolve, Let's go to the point in time where scientists referred to this thing as the Big Bang Theory, where it was condensed, hot moments, this is what they say, not me, and then all of a sudden this explosion happened, and then from that moment and from that cosmic explosion, you end up evolving into who you are today from that moment, okay? We'll, we'll take a moment and we'll, let's think that through a little bit, and let's start with maybe some simple logic. Simple logic dictates that nothing comes from nothing. Nothing is non-existent, therefore lacks the power to do. Something produced by nothing from nothing would logically have to create itself. But if it created itself, it would have been, had to exist prior to creating itself. Which means both have to exist and not exist at the same time and the same way. Obviously, we have a contradiction here just utilizing this simple logic. It's utterly illogical conclusion that we can come to by thinking that way. And when we think that way, logically, we find ourselves at a place where our debate and our communication and our reason will be meaningless. When we ask these types of questions and we go into these difficult questions or I'm debating or having conversation with people that are challenging questions, a lot of time before we even get started, I like to say, okay, what is your truth? What do you consider to be truth? And we'll start there. We have to have some point of reference to start our conversation to really know what our measurements are like. Because I 
obviously go to the word of God. I don't say that it's my truth. It's not like I wrote the book or I necessarily came up with this concept of sin and the fall of man. I didn't come up with that stuff. I'm saying that this is truth and I put my faith in that. And then we see times where you get into debate and people begin to, well, I believe. Well, see, that's not what I believe. It's what the word of God says. This is what I believe. I believe this. Not, it's not my words. And we end up finding ourselves where people can put themselves in a position where they have become their own God. You know, it's, you're asking the question, I've often said this, sometimes it's not the question being asked, but why the question's being asked. Let's be honest, do you want God to exist? Do you not want God to exist? Let's think that through for a second. Do you really want him to exist? Because if he does exist, now let's talk about your life. If he doesn't, if he does, so it's this back and forth where we wrestle with this question, but what is truth? I love what the psalmist said in verse 90. It says, the Lord, you have made your dwelling place throughout all nations. Before the mountains were born, you brought forth the whole world from everlasting to everlasting, you are good. See, in order for us to have a logical conversation of when things started in the beginning, we talk about the order of what things exist. You see, for God, he's an eternal God. He's not bought into time. In the beginning, he started time, right? In the beginning, in order for something to exist and create nothing out of nothing, something had to be that's always been, which is precisely who God is. That's why he says, I'm the alpha and the omega. I'm the beginning and the end. I've always been. And that right there is a challenging statement for us to wrestle with because it's hard for us to fathom that there's an eternal God outside of our time because when we think of our universe, there's always a start and an end. And we wrestle with that and that's why we're gonna take some time today. We're gonna go through looking at creation and we're gonna kinda tie in some things with the word of God, and I'm gonna leave you to your own conclusion when it comes to answering that question, does God exist? Now, there are some things in creation that I, I would love to be able to ask God, like, really, why this? Like, why mosquitoes? Come on, help us, Lord. I mean, bald guys, we do not like mosquitoes. We do not like bites on our heads, right? Roaches? Come on, no one goes, look at the glorious creation of a roach. <laughs> no one does that. Allergies, no one wakes up with their face swollen in the morning going, hallelujah, thank you for allergies, Lord. <laughs> we don't do that. But there's just some things in our world that are fascinating and are just mind-blowing. And you think of like the largest animal on the planet, the blue whale. It's a massive creature. It could grow up to a length of 100 feet long. It can weigh between 200 and 300,000 pounds. Its heart can weigh up to 450 pounds. It's the largest animal on our planet. Vast, huge creature. It's amazing to think something so big can grow and yet still be able to sustain life. But then I think of this heart where these scientists found this massive heart and they took it, they were able to get this whale in Canada and they were able to surgically go in and remove this. And as big as this heart is, weighing over 450 pounds, it still only creates 1% of this whale's body. That's how 
big this creature is. But then the sound of that heart can be heard up to two miles away. Crazy. All working together that came from some cosmic explosion. They all just came. How about this heartbeat? The heartbeat that you and I have. It's just crazy to think that our human body has trillions of cells all working together simultaneously. That our heart pumps 2,000 gallons of blood through 60,000 miles of blood vessels throughout our body. Taking it to over 600 plus skeletal muscles so that we can live and move and have our being. It's fascinating. It's crazy to think how all of us can be one heartbeat away from glory when we think of the, how fragile our life can be. But yet, our God, he doesn't listen to your heartbeat for over two miles away. He can be in the room and he can hear it from heaven. And he desires to have a relationship with you. So when I think of the verse and we talk through this idea of just the, the massiveness of hearts and all these things coming together and you hear this heartbeat and we think of it, we struggle with our faith and the idea is faith is not primarily about certainty but about trust. We're not gonna fully comprehend how our God desires a relationship with us. We're not fully gonna comprehend our faith there's gonna be that element of trust. But what's our faith about is, well, when Hebrews chapter 11, verse one, it says, now faith is the substance of things hoped for and the evidence of things not seen. Your faith, this concept of faith, doesn't have power in itself. It's what you put your faith in is what gives it power. Hebrews 12, two says, fix your eyes on Jesus, the author, and the perfecter of our faith, who the joy set before him endured the cross. I mean, think about the things you put your trust in every day. For example, probably all of you have one of these in your pocket, right? We have a cell phone. Maybe there's someone in here, and God bless you if you are that person, but I would think most of us in this room really can't explain to me how this device works, how this device sends a signal to some trash can looking aluminum foil thing floating around our planet, right? Sends a signal all the way to space and then sends a signal back down to earth and not just send it back down randomly but sends it back down to another device. But yet, we trust this device is gonna work. I mean, most of us don't understand Google but we use it all the time. I use it a lot for this today. <laughs> I'm not a scientist. <laughs> I mean, we trust Amazon. We send them money believing that this afternoon you may buy something and we believe that tomorrow it's gonna show up at our doorstep. We don't necessarily know how it all works and how things just show up, but we trust it. How about most of you probably put your trust in your vehicle on your way to church this morning and think of the extent of how much trust we put in that device where we put our loved ones and our children in and we hop on a highway and we drive 70 miles an hour because we all do the speed limit, I'm just kidding. And we trust that when we go to hit our brakes that our vehicle's gonna stop. How about those of us that get on planes 
I don't, if you guys ever notice this, I'm kind of weird this way, I've noticed this, but you notice when you get on a plane, you never see the pilot, you always see him when you get off the plane and we're all like, thank you for helping me land and not die today, right? Versus getting on the plane, it's like, hi, my name's Bob, I've been flying for 20 years. I have thousands and thousands of hours to fly. It's like, okay, I can trust this guy. What if it's like his first day at Delta and you're hopping on this plane, right? But we put our trust in a lot of things and our lives in a lot of things that we don't understand and that we don't see. Well, do you see the air that you're breathing? Because if you don't breathe it in, you're gonna know right away something's missing. See, sometimes we don't understand everything, but yet we still do life. Sometimes this idea of, well, I've never seen God. Well, he came down from heaven. His name was Jesus, and he came to earth, and maybe it wasn't within your time frame, but he did come down to this earth. It's gonna be hard for us to fully understand some of these things that, when it comes to this concept of an eternal God. I mean, let's break it down into the world that we're living in. Are you dizzy? Because right now our planet is spinning at a thousand miles an hour through the galaxy around the sun. It's tilted at 23.5 degrees at an angle, just perfect angle, spinning at the right speed. Our atmosphere has just enough oxygen, carbon monoxide, nitrogen, all of these perfect things all simultaneously working together so that life can exist on this planet. Our planet is spinning through a galaxy that if you were to start on one end and travel to the other end, it would take you 200,000 years. Traveling at light speed, which is 186,000 miles per second. Vast galaxy that we're spinning in right now. And scientists say the universe began with an extremely compact, dense, hot, that some original event, this Big Bang Theory, this cosmic explosion happened creating this world that you and I live in. But to say that our planet is spinning at the right speed, tilted at the right angle, from the right distance from the sun, happened by chance? To say that this body that we're in right now that this heart is beating and this blood's going through our veins and we're breathing in air, that all of it just came together by chance? I challenge that question with, I don't think chance is even an option. When we see a creation, there's a creator. When we see a design, there's a designer. I love what Psalms 8 says, when I consider the work of your hand and the sun, the moon, and the stars, and all that you have made, what is man that you would think so much of us? Why does God care about us in the midst of all of his creation? Why does he care so much about you and I? Well, there's something different about us compared to the rest of his creation. In Genesis 1:27, so God created mankind in his own own image. In the image of God, he created them male and female. In our culture, <laughs> just a reminder, in case you're wondering, male and female. I'm going to leave it there. Pastor Matt's going to take the rest next week at answering those types of questions. <laughs> I mean, just think, it's Mother's Day. Just think of the miracle of what it is for a woman 
to give birth, that everything has to be perfect for a child to be born. And I know there are women in here that you've experienced loss because in that process of life, it didn't go according to plan for whatever reason that I can't explain. But there's just something about the miracle of our bodies, the miracle of our soul, compared to the rest of creation is because we are created in his image. Hebrews 1, verse 1 through 3, it says, In the past, God spoke to our ancestors through the prophets as many times in various ways. But in these last days, he has spoken to us by his son, who he appointed heir of all things. And through him also he made the universe. The sun is the radiance, not the sun like S-U-N, but his son is the radiance of God's glory the exact representation of his being, sustaining all things by his powerful word. Colossians, I love this one, 1, 16 through 17. For in him all things were created, things in heaven and on earth, visible and invisible, whether thrones or powers or rulers or authorities, all things have been created through him and for him. He is before all things, and in him all things hold together. You know, there's this element in science where they say these are just, there's just certain constants in our universe. For example, the speed of light. It's a, a constant. It's, that's what it is. It's a measurement. Gravity. It exists. It's a constant. There's other elements that they use, and they've created these things and named these things constants because we have to have some form of reference in order to experiment to understand whatever it is we're trying to debate or experiment on. We have to have a measurement tool. And so there's certain constants that they say, that's just how it is. Well, I would challenge the statement with, or maybe that's how someone designed it. He designed it to spin at 1,000 miles an hour. He's designed our bodies to, to breathe oxygen. He's designed our heart to beat. Maybe there's someone that has a design behind it. Maybe there's a designer, maybe there's a creator. So does God exist? I'm sure we can continue to look at more of creation and I would say we would only find out that there's even more intelligent design behind our creation that we live in. You know, for some guys, we, there's those guys that exist that they love to, I've heard this before. Pastor Aaron, I'm not gonna make it to church this week, but I'm gonna be out in creation, enjoying God's beautiful creation hunting, right? Some of you are like, I've said that before to pastors, you know, like for you guys. Or maybe some females do the same thing. I'm not trying to say that's one thing for another. Anyways, moving on. But this guy, my son loves fishing, loves the outdoors. I don't know where he got it from. I think the Lord's got a sense of humor because this guy has never been camping. <laughs> I have no desire to go camping. The closest I've been to camping is I have stayed in the hut before. I've been in Africa on a mission trip, and let me... Let me explain to you what this hut was like, okay? Give you a little context. So here we are, we land on a dirt runway, we hop in a Jeep, drive for about 45 minutes, we pull up and there's all these little huts and I'm like, dear Lord, help us, Jesus. I gotta stay in this thing tonight. Remember, I don't like mosquitoes, I'm bald. I like Wi-Fi too, but anyways, we walk into this hut. We walk into this hut and the peace of the Lord just came upon me because I'm like, there's a walk-in shower, there's a garden tub, there's AC, there's Wi-Fi, 
I walk out on the deck and there's a jacuzzi in the deck. I'm like, yes, Lord, your creation is beautiful. (laughs) But I don't sit there and walk into a hotel or whatever and just go, man, some explosion must have happened and all this just came together and it looks great. No, you can walk in and say, man, God obviously gave somebody a gift to design this because there had to be a designer that created what I'm experiencing. There had to be a creator. There had to be a designer. And see, out of design, design comes out of intent. There was an intention behind the design. I believe you were intended to be created in his own image. Now, well, Pastor Aaron, we gotta love this debate. Well, you, I can't see love. I can't see love. All of us kind of, we kind of know within us what it is. We kind of feel it, but I can't see love. You know when you can see love? When it's in action. When you see people going on a missions trip and showing the love of Jesus, reaching out to others. You want to see love? It was what Jesus did where he came onto this earth and he showed us the greatest act of love is that we no longer want to have separation between God and man because of the brokenness that the first Adam did in the garden. He wanted to change that, and you're going to see why here in a moment. But see, science and our faith, we don't have to be against. I mean, let's talk about science, right? I mean, the last couple of years, there's been a lot of scientists in our world explaining to us what we need to do in order to protect ourselves from different things. And we know that in science, a fact is only a fact until it can be proven otherwise. And as soon as you change that, it's no longer a fact, right? The earth is flat. Well, there's not many people that still believe that. There might be some, but we know because that's not the case because it's been proven otherwise. The word of God remains the same. It does not change. So, does God exist? And my response to you to that question is, if there's a creation, there has to be a creator. If there's an intricate design behind something, there had to be a designer. Now, with all that said, I can truly understand that we wrestle with that, and I think the greatest way to answer that question for people is to show them how we live our lives. You see, no matter what, anybody ever says to me, shows me, or tries to prove to me, I know that my Jesus is real. You can't take that away from me. I can't necessarily explain this whole thing, and I'm not the smartest guy in the room. I can Google things, right? But I don't understand it all, but I do understand this. I've had an encounter with Jesus, and you can't take that away. And that's The Apostle Paul talks about that in 1 Corinthians 11, verse one. Follow me as I follow Christ. You wanna be an example to show that God exists? Let's live it out. Let's show others. Let's let people know and see love in action by how you live your life. And when people have these conversations or we have these debates, one of the things I like to do is let's pursue understanding together. I'll, I'll walk with you, man. I'm not, God is not scared of your questions. He's not intimidated by your lack of understanding or your desire to try to methodically figure out everything logically. God's not just creative. He's also a God of order. He brought order to chaos. And 
some of us like to try to bring order to everything, but you're talking about an internal God. And for you to fathom that in your mind and your understanding, it's going to be pretty challenging. You might find yourself on the merry-go-round of just constantly asking and, again, not so much the question being asked, but why the question is being asked. Pursue the creator together, and I believe in our pursuit, we find ourselves in a constant discovery of him. The more I follow Jesus, the more I've learned more about him. The more I've learned more about myself, and especially in the need of, thank God I have a relationship with Jesus, because I couldn't imagine living life without, and that's just for me. But in our pursuit, we find ourselves in a constant discovery of him. I want to kind of talked about it briefly where obviously we know the story of the Garden of Eden and there's Adam and there's the fall that took place and the Bible talks about there was the first Adam and Jesus was the second Adam coming back to redeem what Adam did in the Garden of Eden in Genesis chapter two. But I love what happens and here in the New Testament in John, Easter was only a couple weeks away and, but I, I noticed something and I just thought, it's funny. There's something about this and I think it was intentional but Mary Magdalene was at the tomb of Jesus, and we know that there was also a garden because in John 19 it says the place where Jesus was crucified, there was a garden and a new garden, or in the garden had a new tomb. So we know there was a garden-like place, and we can see things throughout Scripture where God uses garden or plants, or in John 15, he's the vine and I'm the branches, and he kind of talks through gardening and sowing and reaping, and Mary Magdalene is weeping at the tomb, and this is what she says in John chapter 20, verse 15. Thinking he was the gardener, she said, Sir, if you have carried him away, tell me where you have put him, and I will get him. And Jesus said to her, I love how he calls her by name, Mary. She turned toward him and cried out in Aramaic, Teacher. It's... The fall happened in the garden, Genesis. God loves gardens because it even says in chapter two, verse eight, that God planted a garden in the east called Eden. And I love how, how did God create man <laughs> from the dust of the ground? He reached down into the dust of the dirt that he created and began to form mankind with the design behind it. And then he didn't just stop with forming it. He took a moment to make it unique than the rest of the creation. Designed in his image, he breathed the breath of heaven into us to give us life. He, I love that picture of the gardener because the gardener, what do they do? They like to get dirty. Likes to get involved. It likes to know the health of the crop. It likes to come in and prune every once in a while. It can be painful, but yet he knows what's best for us and our God's a God that cultivates. And he's a God that maybe wants to cultivate your soul today. It's a few simple things that I will kind of leave with you to kind of apply to your life through this message this morning, and that is pursue the creator. Don't pursue creation. Don't pursue an experience. A lot of Christians do that. They want to experience a certain thing because they saw somebody else experience it. Now, they want to experience and they're pursuing the experience and not the creator. Pursue the creator. And then, don't start with evolution. Remember, let's start where it all began. Go to where it started. 
in the beginning was the Word, and the Word was with God, and the Word was God, and in him was life, and the light of mankind, and darkness has not overcome it. Go back to the Word. Go back to where it started. The truth of the Word of God still remains today. Trust me, if they could disprove it, they would have done it already. <laughs> if they had his body, they would have shown it to us already. And then embrace the journey of discovery. It's okay to ask questions, to debate, to get into God's word and try to understand things. And it's okay to learn science. Let's allow that and our faith and all these constants in our universe to come together in these principles. They come together and even show us more of how big our God is, but yet how personal he is, because I've learned this, it's our belief, it's not our belief. It's not our belief that changes us. It's our relationship that changes us. It's our relationship with Jesus, not just the head knowledge, okay? Atheists can read the Bible and learn it just as good as us, but yet there's no transformation taking place because it's the relationship with Jesus that changes us. One of the things we do with my son at the end of the night when I'm home and try to put him to bed is there's some nights, right? Mom, dad, it's like, dear Lord, have a good night's sleep. Just go to bed, right? Like you just want him to go to bed. You want the day to be over. <laughs> and there's those other nights where we're like, all right, we're gonna read a story or something. But friends of ours gave us this book, Indescribable by Lou Giglio. You can buy it on Amazon. It'll probably show up at your house tomorrow, buy it tomorrow afternoon. But anyways, it's 100 devotions about God and science. And one of the things I do with Zane is we'll sit down and we'll get in his bed and I'll open up the table of contents and I'll just read off the titles of the, of the devotion and he'll just pick, yeah, that sounds good, Dad, let's read that one. Well, this time he wanted to pick the last one. It says, here's your change. I think he thought it was about money. It wasn't about money. But what it's talking about is this process of what it is of metamorphosis. It's going in, again, talking about just this creation and how it metamorphed. Anyways, I'm gonna read it to you. I'm not gonna read the whole devotion, so relax. If you could go through metamorphosis, what would you change? Would you want wings to fly or legs to jump really high? Now I'm sounding like a nursery rhyme reader, right? Well, people don't go through metamorphosis, at least not on the outside, but on the inside, there's a different story. When you decide to follow Jesus, the Holy Spirit comes to live inside you. And he gets right to work, changing the way you think, how you feel, and how you act. He changes you a little bit every day to be more and more like Jesus. This change will take time, your whole life, actually. But the results will be indescribably amazing. I can't explain it all. It's hard for the, us to fathom that this great God of the universe that's created all these crazy things and yet even down to the molecule or the DNA that we have, and yet he says, I love you. Does God exist? I'll leave you to your conclusion. Even when I don't see it, you're working. Even when I don't feel it, you're working. Even when I don't understand it, he's working.
Amen. Will you bow your head and close your eyes? Father, we just, we thank you for today that you woke us up and gave us life. But Lord, I know there may be someone in this room that they've been struggling with this question and they don't fully understand and neither do I can fully really express to them the whole truth of explaining who this God is, but maybe today you wanna take that journey of discovery and take that first step in putting your faith and putting your trust in Jesus. And if that's you, I just wanna ask you, to would you just raise your hand saying, hey, I wanna take that first step. I wanna take this journey, even though I don't fully comprehend it, I thank you for your response. Thank you for your response. Father, we thank you that you're a God that's so big, but yet so intimate. And Lord, I pray that as we live our lives this week, that we would embrace the journey, that we would pursue you even more, and we would go back every day back to where it started and get into your word. Lord, I pray as we go about our, our week that you would be with us and we can be that action of love by the way we live our lives. Lord, we just speak blessing over your people today in Jesus' name, amen, amen. Come on, if you love them this morning, give them a hand clap of praise, amen. Will you stand with me this morning? I would encourage you to go read this whole chapter in Isaiah. But in Isaiah 40, I love this, I just wanted to end with this. Starting in verse 12, who else has held the oceans in his hand? Who has measured off the heavens with his fingers? Who else knows the weight of the earth? Who, who has weighed the mountains and the hills on a scale? And I love this one. Who has the Lord needed anyone's advice? Does he need instruction about what is good? Did someone teach him what is right or show him the path of justice? No, all the nations of the world are but a drop in the bucket. They are nothing more than dust on the scales. He picks up the whole earth as though it were a grain of sand. And the hand of God wants to reach you every morning and every day. Do you believe that? Amen. Father, bless us as we go. Thank you for your love in Jesus' name. And everybody said, amen, amen. Happy Mother's Day. We love you guys. You guys have a great week.